Xavier Reese and the importance of being on the alert. The believers to know the times as he is looking for the coming of Jesus. Look around. Jesus described it like the days of Noah in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look to the permissive of our day, the political correctness for homosexuality. These are all visible and measurable signs that are present in our day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Yes, it's important to plan for your retirement, for the twilight years. But it's even more important for the Christian to be ready for the return of the Lord. Even though the Bible states that no one knows when the Lord will come back, Pastor Xavier emphasizes it's still important to live your life as though it can be today. He explains his position in today's Simple Truth study from the Book of Romans titled, Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming. The person or church that does not have the imminent return of Jesus Christ as the focus of their life will do very little to resist sin when it presents itself. The soon return of Jesus Christ is the greatest incentive for holy living. Jesus made that emphasis through all his teaching. Be ready. Paul has just spoken about our life in relationship to the state in verse 1 through 7 of chapter 13. Our love in relationship to our neighbor in verse 8 through 10. And now he's going to speak about our life in relationship to the coming of Jesus, 11 through 14. And so he declares that the believers to be looking for the coming of Jesus and is to be characterized by three things. Let me read here, verse 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness or lewdness, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Paul declares the believer is to be looking for the coming of Jesus and it's to characterize itself by three things. Here it is. The believer is to know the times. Verse 11 and the first part of 12. The believer is to know the times. Secondly, the believer is to live the truth. The rest of 12 and all of 13. And thirdly, the believer is to fight temptations. Verse 14. Let's begin here. The believer is to know the times. This is the foundation. Very important. Notice, Paul the Apostle declared that the believer will be very conscious of the period of time they occupy in history. And do this, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. Paul has just mentioned the responsibility of the believer to be Christ-like, as an example, to others by saying, and do this. Do this is looking back to what precedes it. Their obedience in relationship to the civil authorities we covered in chapter 13, 1 through 7. For all authorities are appointed by God for the purpose of law and order to deter evil, executing punishment.
punishment, even to death. All are to submit to these authorities, and resisting them really is resisting God and being the ministers of God were to render taxes to them. Only when government contradicts the commands of God's word do Christians have a right to disobey. Acts 4.19, Acts 5.29 tells us that, and we looked at that in depth in our last message. Then he says that their obedience in relationship to their neighbor was equally important from verse 8 to 10. And there the believer is to have integrity to pay his debts and not to live constantly in debt. It doesn't mean that you can't buy nothing on credit, but make sure that you do, you know you can pay it, and you're not defrauding the person you're buying from. And try to get yourself out of debt, not always live in debt. Don't live above your means, but within your means. That's what it's talking about. The believer is to love his fellow man, evident not by committing adultery, murder, theft, false witnessing, coveting, but loving one's neighbor as himself. Love does no harm to one's neighbor. Love fulfills the law. This is what these words are pointing back to. And do this. All those things. And so Paul puts a directive in perspective of the age that we're living under. Knowing the time. The reason you're doing all these things is you're knowing the time that you're living in. This is the incentive. They had been born again in the age of grace through the gospel. The word knowing means to understand and perceive with the mind. The Holy Spirit had given them spiritual illumination, being born again, just as you and I, when we accepted Christ. All of a sudden, our minds were open. We saw the things as they were. We understand the reality of life and death, eternity, evil, good, right, wrong. They understood the Old Testament period was over by prophetic fulfillment of the first coming of Jesus to save the entire world. They were the evidence of that. The word time there is kairos. We've talked about it many times. It means a fixed or definite time. A strategic period. And it's used like for seasons, like say a week or a month or the summer or the autumn, a very specific period. The age of grace was a strategic period of time Jesus was collecting as bride now. And he knew this before he would rapture her from the earth. When the fullness of the Gentile would come in. He already talked to them about that in Romans eleven twenty five. He was collecting himself a bride, Jew and Gentile one, and then he would return to build the tabernacle of David. James and Peter confirmed this in the first church council. We talked about that in Romans 11. They knew this. Notice Paul pointed out their greater need to be aware of the period of time they were living in and being aware it would cause them to be more alert and more ready. We cannot hear that Jesus is coming enough. You understand? Notice they were to be awake out of their sleep, indicating a spiritual stupor, unaware of the critical time period, being unconcerned, lethargic, complacent, mediocre. Well, let's not get carried away. Well, you know, they've been saying this for a long time. The phrase high time is the word hora. In Spanish, the word means the same thing. It means hour. This is more precise and personal than the word time, kairos. It means their particular hour, marking urgency. You understand? Now notice the apostle Paul 
declared that the believer was to be conscious of the nearness of the Lord's coming. Not only the time, but now the nearness. He hits it from different directions. Paul stated a simple, basic truth. They were closer now to the coming of Jesus than when they first had repented. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He includes himself, we. The moment they read the letter, they were to be very aware of this truth, indicative of the phrase, for now. Now, right now. The ones to be conscious of this truth were and were and are to be every believer. Every believer. Not just some, but all. Paul includes himself again. Not only we, but our. The evident nearer in time than when they first believed was notice their salvation. The word salvation means deliverance from this world and the wrath to come. The word is synonymous with the coming of Jesus for his church. The salvation of the believers is described in three tenses, as you know. The past, we have been saved. The present, we are being saved. The future, we shall be saved. Ephesians 2.8, 1 Corinthians 1.18, Romans 5, 9, and 10. And so the word salvation here, he's using synonymous with the coming of the Lord. Because our salvation will be truly complete when he comes in the future for us. You understand? We're in a process. Have been saved, are being saved, and shall be saved. The kingdom is present and yet to come. It's here present. People are being saved, delivered. But it's yet to come in its full and complete form when Christ sets up the kingdom. Now notice Paul reconfirms the nearness of the Lord's coming. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. The first imagery depicts a short time remaining by the phrase, the night is far spent. Indicative, eris, active. This time is running. We live time in its chronological order. Past, present, future. God sees everything as an eternal present. He lives outside of man's time domain. The only way you and I can measure things is by this chronological time. They were not to be sleeping notice, as he stated in verse 11, as the darkness of evil was all around them. This world is pretty nice, but we have to be careful never to think that evil is not present. Evil is always present, though it may not always be ever active. But the closer we get to the Lord, the more active evil will become because it's ever present. You understand? At this point, this was 25 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. For Paul probably wrote the Epistle to the Romans from Corinth about 57, 58 AD. Now notice the second imagery. It depicts the nearness. First the shortness, now the nearness of the coming of Jesus by the phrase, the days at hand. In other words, he is hitting this event from every angle, focus and emphasize the importance of this being the protection for our lives. The coming of Jesus for his church is imminent. At hand means to have drawn near in the perfect tense. 
It was moving. Time was moving. They're getting closer. They were to be awake spiritually, awaiting and anticipating his coming. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious, watchful in your prayers. We're 2,000 years later down the road, ladies and gentlemen, when these words were written, both Paul's and Peter's. When a woman begins to have childbearing pains, she knows it's not long before the baby's born. She cannot tell you the exact time, nor the doctor, but they both know it's not another nine months. <laughs> the Bible has always clearly given specific times and dates prophetically, along with signs within those time periods, to know God's calendar. Listen to Daniel 9, 1 and 2. In the first year, Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Because Daniel was a man of the word of God, he knew exactly what was going on in time and history. He didn't read the Babylonian times to find out. The Nebuchadnezzar special, he read the book of Jeremiah. First Chronicles 12, 32 is an incredible statement. Listen, the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Ooh. The Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign, so he said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the times. Listen to Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 9. But concerning the times and the seasons... Brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them and as labor pains upon a woman, pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, you, the believer, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. As others do. But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep in the night. And those who get drunk, drink at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplates of faith and love and the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. you believe that? The Bible deliberately gives us signs to watch for. God gave to the world of Noah a sign, the ark. And a time, a hundred years, to believe the message of the coming judgment through the flood. It terminated when the door of the ark closed and the flood came. Genesis 5 to Genesis chapter 7. God gave Pharaoh signs and a set time to escape judgment. But he refused to believe. And so he and his nation were destroyed. Exodus chapter 5 to chapter 14. The scriptures give to us the day of the first coming of Jesus, as you know, through Daniel, 
telling us it would be 483 years to the day from the command of Artaxerxes to Nehemiah to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. March 14th, 445 B.C. You find that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 26. Those 483 years come up to 173,880 days. Which if you take March 14, 445 B.C. and you project those days forward, falls right on the 6th of April, 32 A.D., when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, according to Zechariah 9.9. You find it in Matthew 21 and the other Gospels. That's why Jesus said, If you would have known this thy day, the Israel, the things that were prepared for you, but now they're hidden from your eyes. And he gave up Israel. He wept as he did that, ladies and gentlemen. They knew the day. They had the day of the first coming, and they missed their Messiah because they didn't believe in the coming of Messiah to deliver them. They were expecting a conquering Messiah. Luke 19, 41 through 42, you get the weeping of Jesus over Jerusalem. Daniel also gives us the day Not the date, D-A-T-E, of the second coming. But he gives us the day of the second coming. From the setting up of the abomination that causes desolation, you can count down 1,290 days, look up to the east, and I and Jesus and the church will be coming back. I hope you're with us. But if you're left behind, you can count down. What's the sign? The middle of the tribulation, Matthew 24, 15. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoke by Daniel the prophet, flee to the wilderness. He spoke to Israel, not us. The Antichrist will build a temple for Israel, walk in, declare himself God, let everybody worship him. 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, Revelations 11, 1 and 2. The time is given in days, months, and years. Revelation 11, 2, 3. Revelation 12, 6 and 14. You can't miss it. Two halves. The Bible gives us signs of the time that will precede the second coming of Jesus. A world oneness of ecumenicalism. We see it growing today. The world wants to be one. One bank. One government. One world court that spread the wealth. Oneness. A confederacy of nations that will ultimately end up in ten nations to rule the world through the one man, the Antichrist. They will give their power to him. The return of Israel as a nation was one of the main signs which took place in 1948, the third time declaring their independence after 2,000 years being without a homeland. People say, what evidence do you have that the Bible is credible? Explain to me the Jew. No nation, no culture, no race has ever existed without a homeland for more than three generations without being assimilated and totally destroyed as an individual identity. The Jews did it for 2,000 years. You want me to tell you how? Because God said he was bringing back. Simple. Everybody laughed at the fact that Israel was coming back before 1948. But then the Zionist movement began with Herzl. A worldwide economic crisis leading to the Antichrist instituting the mark of the beast where no man can sell or buy without it. We're moving towards that. They want to collapse our economy, do away with the dollar, bring the euro in. The euro is only a step to the ultimate mark of the beast. 
a cry for peace and safety, but it will result in sudden destruction, a rise in ungodliness, wickedness, and lack of family love. Hello? Look around. Jesus described it like the days of Noah in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't think it's any coincidence he mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah. Look to the permissive of our day, the political correctness for homosexuality. These are all visible and measurable signs that are present in our day, ladies and gentlemen. The believers to know the times as he is looking for the coming of Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus? I'm longing for him more and more. (laughs) Notice, secondly, the believer is then to live for truth. In 12 there, the Apostle Paul declared the only conclusion a Christian can come to in view of the Lord's imminent return is to be prepared. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The believer's proper response is to reject the old sin life, all that opposes God. As you know, the believer is able to cast off the work of darkness or he wouldn't request it. The word cast off simply means to lay aside or away, not being conformed to the world. Remember Romans 12 too? Not being conformed to the world. In view of the fact that all that he's done for us in chapter 1 all the way to 11, we present our body a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the world. The believer has been given a divine nature, able to escape the corruption of the world through lust. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. He's already made mention of the, in verse 8 through 10 about loving our, not only our brother but those around us. We can do it. Notice the metaphor for darkness is used throughout the scriptures for evil and that which opposes God. And you have many contrasts here, put on, put off, light, darkness. At the creation, God separated the darkness from the light, Genesis 1.18. God always makes a distinction. Notice the believer's power, or the proper response here, is to embrace the new life, all that is pleasing to God. So not only the negative, but now the positive. The believer is able to put on the armor of light. The phrase put on means to clothe oneself like a garment. Rather than being conformed, now we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind to prove that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Just as putting on a coat or a shirt, the believer has been given the spirit and the mind of Christ. The metaphor of light is throughout the scriptures to what is good and of God. The armor is for personal protection. Notice that. The word is what protects a man in warfare, along with the weapons. And the command being to put on this armor of light as a garment. I put it on. God gives it to me. He does not force me to put it on. I am responsible to put it on. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God and he goes and listed one by one watchful preparedness is the emphasis here ladies and gentlemen now look at 13 the apostle Paul declared the only conclusion a Christian can come to in view of the nearness of the Lord's coming is to live in purity 
Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry or in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Let us walk properly. Pastor Xavier Reese and the sole standard for living as a follower of Christ. Important, simple truths drawn from the book of Romans today. You can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming. We have them available for only $4. And this CD contains the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Living, Knowing Jesus is Coming, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com